Hello, and welcome to Insights into Wealth with Bull Wealth. I'm Julian Smith, CEO of Bull Wealth. Today's podcast is an insightful conversation between Kevin Van Dyke, one of Bull Wealth's managing directors, and two members of Fiera's Canadian Equity Investment Team, Tony Rizzi and Nick Trottier. Fiera's Canadian Equity Team implements a high-quality, strong valuation philosophy that has resulted in long-term outperformance and excellent downside protection when volatility rises throughout the global capital markets. Tony and Nick describe why their team's extreme focus on companies with excellent management teams, low debt, strong earnings, and continuous cash flow leads to long-term success. As you know, we like to keep it short and simple, so let's leave it to Kevin and Tony and Nick to discuss Fiera's Canadian equity investment philosophy and process that keeps achieving strong results throughout many different equity market environments. Nick, Tony, thank you very much for joining me today. Appreciate you taking the time to uh, spend some time with me and walk us through the Fiera Canadian equity mandate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Maybe we'll just start off with a bit of a background on the portfolio management team, years working together, how the teams kind of come together, specifically on the Canadian equity team, and then sort of maybe a question on how that team fits more broadly into the overall FIRA equity research team. Sure. So it's Tony here, and maybe I'll take that question. There are three of us on the portfolio management team, Nassim Ansour, Nick Smart, and I. Nick and Nassim have been working together since 2010. I joined them about eight years ago now. So we've been working together a long time now. And I'll give you some additional background because we weren't always at Fiera Capital. In fact, we joined back in 2016. We were working at an insurance company at the time, and we were recruited by Fiera with the opportunity to manage and build our own investment management franchise within the broader organization. So in the seven years since we joined, the platform has grown through some consolidation, and we now manage over $10 billion in assets across a number of different large cap Canadian equity strategies. In order to support our growth, I think we've added some incredible analysts to the team over the years, a number of which have kind of joined through our internship program. And Nick Trottier is joining me today. He's been at the firm for eight years. He joined our team two years ago as a capability specialist. So he's been instrumental in helping us communicate with clients around what we're doing, how we execute our process, and has allowed the investment team to spend more time on doing what really matters, and that's researching companies. In terms of how we fit into the broader firm here at Fiera, you know, we have the independence and autonomy to manage not only our strategies, but also our budget resources, things like travel. And so we kind of partner with the broader firm for things like legal compliance operations. So effectively, we can focus on managing money for our clients and we have the resources we need so as not to be distracted. Thank you. Maybe we move on then to the research focus, the management of the portfolio, what that looks like, maybe a brief overview on the investment process, maybe if there's any unique components that you want to highlight in reviewing the investment process for the team. Sure. So this is Tony again, I'll answer this one. So maybe it makes sense to start off with the investment philosophy. So our goal is to compound our clients' wealth over time at a superior rate. And we believe that we can do that by investing in high quality and attractive businesses and by focusing on capital preservation. So there's kind of a lot to unpack there. And I think quality and valuation are probably common phrases used among money managers. I think we're a little different from most of the cane equity managers in a few ways. So first, I'd say we'd have what I would call this extreme focus on quality. We've built a watch list of the top quartile highest quality businesses in Canada. And these are the only companies that we would consider investing in. 
So effectively, we start our process by eliminating the bottom 75% of our investment universe. We have a proprietary process to evaluate business quality, and we've got a proprietary process to value companies. And we have the conviction to construct portfolios that can be very different than the index. And I think that's another key difference in kind of the way we construct the portfolio. We're completely bottom up. We completely ignore the index. So the portfolio can be very different from the index. We're not necessarily trying to be different. We're just not paying attention to the index. And so we're less concerned about short-term relative results versus the index. We're aiming to generate good absolute returns over time for our clients, which we believe will also translate into better results than the index over the long term. And I think our performance has been differentiated versus the index, and especially in one key area, and that's what I would say is maybe our third differentiator. A key part of our approach is our emphasis on capital preservation. Losing money makes it difficult to compound wealth, so we work hard to avoid losses. This focus on quality, valuation, and being index agnostic has resulted in capital preservation that's very different. So when markets go down, we go down less and quite a bit less is what I would say. Following up on the first point then, what exactly do you mean by quality company? You narrow it down to a quarter of the universe. What defines quality? Yeah, it's a good question. So we have a standardized research report template we use to assess companies. The research template consists of 21 questions that we must answer on every company. 11 questions are around quality and 10 on valuation. So no stock can really make its way into the portfolio without one of these reports being completed. This kind of structured report template has helped us in many ways. It makes us focus on the right things. It's forced us to be very thorough when evaluating a business. It's allowed us to be consistent and repeatable. And so, you know, we talk about some of the elements that we're looking for. There's a long list, but I can talk about a few of them. One of them would be competitive strengths. So a quality company is going to have some sort of competitive advantage, something that can persist, something that can be sustained. It can come from the industry structure. It can come from a brand. It can be a cultural advantage. Another element would be management quality. It's another aspect of one of the things we're looking for in a quality business. We're looking for managers who are good at operating the business, who are good at allocating capital, and who have good incentives and ultimately management that we can trust. We want evidence of a conservatively run company. So with an appropriate level of debt, an honest reporting of financial metrics. So there's a lot of focus around the accounting to ensure what the company is presenting in their financial statements is reflective of what is happening. And then we also put a significant emphasis on the track record of the company. So we analyze the financial and operating history of the company over the long term. So think 10, 20 years to understand the resilience of the business. How have they done in tough times? But we also want to see evidence of companies that have compounded earnings per share, have compounded book value per share over time, and improved ROE. And we need to have a good understanding of how they've done this. You know, a handful of some of the things that we would look for on the quality side. Thank you. And so I guess you could end up with companies that fit all those criteria in any sector, but does the approach tend to lead to certain sectors or away from certain sectors, or does it just depend on what's happening in the market at any given time? Yeah, so it's Nick here. I think that um, when you look at the watch list of companies that we have that Tony talked about, we have companies on the watch list from all 11 gig sectors. We build the portfolios based on the attributes themselves, right? So obviously, we don't have a specific sector bias. We build the portfolio based on the companies themselves and the sector allocation is really built out of that. But that being said, when you look at our portfolio, the focus that we have on quality will naturally lead us to companies and in industries that have a lot of those quality attributes that we're looking for. So those barriers to entry, pricing power, management, quality, things like that. And so a good example of that is if you look in the Canadian equity market, a big thing that we look for is industry structure. That's a very important component of what we think leads to a quality company. And when you think of the natural oligopolies that exist in Canada, whether it's telecom, groceries, the banks, et cetera, these are industry structures that are conducive to finding a good quality company because of the natural competitive barriers to entry that they have. And you find that in our portfolio where 
I rattle it off quickly, we have both railways, all three grocers, four out of the six banks, two out of the four telecom companies. So it's not so much that it leads us to any specific sector, but it'll lead us to a certain profile of company. And we might find that in specific industries. Is there sectors within the Canadian market where you generally don't find it? There are certainly some sectors where we maybe haven't found as many opportunities to invest that we haven't been able to find as many quality companies. I'd say a sector like traditional materials is one where the index has a certain number of companies and our watch list has a much smaller number of companies. And that would be true about a a lot of different sectors. Again, we're not dogmatic about the sector itself. We don't think about it in terms of the materials sector being, you know, uninvestable. It's find me a good materials company and we'd be open to the idea of investing it. And, And that's really our focus. It's less about the sector, more about the individual company that we're focused on. And if I could add to that, Nick, again, so, you know, I think that what Tony talked about before is everywhere in the process in the portfolio, you're going to find that trade-off between quality and valuation. Those are the things that we're looking for, but the dynamic between the two can kind of vary depending on the type of company that we're looking at. And so naturally in some sectors, like Tony mentioned, whether it's traditional materials or energy or utilities, things like that, we still have companies that we consider to be high quality in those sectors, but maybe the valuation becomes a more important component versus another sector where we're comfortable owning something maybe at a higher valuation because we have that much more conviction in the quality. Do you keep a fairly concentrated portfolio in terms of the number of holdings? So it is very concentrated, but that's really how we like it. The reality is that the portfolio, from a policy perspective, we can own 25 to 45 stocks. We have 32 as of today. You know, I think it's Ben Grand that said that the optimal number of stocks is 16. So we're not holding to that. We've got a few more, but the truth is that our portfolio will always have a minimum level of diversification that we think just from the fact that we have to own six sectors. And as I said before, within those sectors or within our portfolio, we're always going to have a certain amount of industry diversification. And really the concentrated nature of the portfolio works very well with the discipline of our process. There's a very high bar, a very stringent competition for capital for any stock to make it into the portfolio, really because we have to have that conviction in it that's really you know, accretive to the overall quality of the portfolio. And then I guess the follow-up to that one is in terms of the high bar, do you end up with a lot of new companies entering the portfolio? What do you see typically in terms of portfolio turnover? That's a great follow-up question. And the answer is kind of what you'd expect. The turnover is very low. So historically, the annual turnover has been less than 20%. Over the past five years, it's closer to 10%. Ideally, our holding period is forever. And if you look in the portfolio, more than 50% of the portfolio that we have today, we've owned for more than 10 years. So the answer is we don't trade stocks. We look to buy high quality businesses and hold them over the long term. Thanks. And when you mentioned off the top about the screening out or keeping the quality characteristics sort of get you down to about a quarter of the companies. So it's getting to be a relatively small list of opportunities. Do you think the Canadian market is large enough to run a Canadian equity only mandate? Or I guess the other question is, do you sort of still see good enough opportunity in the Canadian market as a whole? It's Tony here. And obviously I'm going to be biased and say that we think that there are a lot of good opportunities, I think, in Canada. But if I unpack it a little bit, it's true that, you know, you have a number of pretty concentrated sectors in Canada. And, and sometimes it can be a challenge because these sectors can move around a lot depending on a headline today or a theme. And what we do is we try to step back from a lot of that noise and focus on these individual businesses. And we think there's a lot of good quality businesses in Canada. I'll remind you again, you know, our flagship strategy, we're completely bottom up, meaning we 
completely ignore the index. And you know, the process of constructing our portfolios involves comparing individual companies on their specific merits. So we're comparing a grocer to a waste company. The fact that it's, you know, one is a consumer staple and one is an industrial doesn't weigh into our decision-making process at all. You know, we're not explicitly trying to be different than the index. We're just not really paying much attention because the sector weight itself, it's not helpful in determining whether that company is a quality business or not. Sometimes what that means is we tend to be very different than the index. And in Canada, you can have one sector zigging while another sector is zagging. And it can mean our performance can be very different than the index in any given quarter, which can create some challenges. But look, we try to communicate this as much as possible. We're less concerned about short-term relative results versus the index. Our focus is to make money for our clients over the long term. And I think our approach has certainly paid off by thinking in this way. And I think there's a lot of great companies in Canada that we see opportunities to compound our portfolios over time. And so we're Despite there being some concentration, we think that the businesses themselves, I think, are different enough and provide us enough opportunities, I think, to generate long-term results. And would the companies, though domiciled in Canada, tend to be global in nature, or is there a mix? I'd say there's a mix. So you have some really good domestic companies. You know, Nick rattled off a bunch of them that we own that you know would be considered uh, more domestic in nature. A lot of the grocers, the telecom companies, but you do have companies that you know have North American exposure. Some of the waste companies in Canada would be the case. Uh, the rails themselves would operate across North America. So we do have a bunch of companies that have operations that exist beyond the Canadian borders. And so it's a bit of a mix, I would say. And there's opportunities that as much as they're Canadian domicile, they could be operating in different parts of the world. As long as they maintain and have the quality characteristics we look for, that's the thing that I think you know would really drive the investment thesis for us and determine whether or not we want to own them. Great. So certainly a focus on quality is sort of the theme that's run through every answers we've heard. Well, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Nick, for joining me today. Appreciate you taking the time to walk us through the process. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks again to our guests, Tony Rizzi and Nick Trottier. Insights into Wealth is a Vocal Fry Studios production. Our producer is Katie Jensen. I'm your host, Julian Smith. If you want to reach out to me, please email me directly, or you may find me on LinkedIn. Bullwealth is the corporate group name of Bull Capital Management, Inc. and Bullwealth Management Group, Inc. Bull Capital Management, Inc. is registered as a portfolio manager in the provinces of Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta, Quebec, and Saskatchewan, an exempt market dealer in the provinces of Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta, and Quebec, and also an investment fund manager in the province of Ontario. The information contained in this podcast is not intended to solicit or to provide research or investment advice to the listeners by Bullwealth or any of its affiliates. Also, receipt of the podcast by its listeners is not to be taken as constituting solicitation or giving of research or investment advice by Bullwealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part.